Hello and welcome back to Ryan Pine. I'm one of your co-hosts, Sam Spada, along with Brendan Knight. Um, and on today's episode, we're going to cover a little bit of NFL, not too much. Uh, we'll cover more of the draft next week. A little baseball, some of the Masters recaps from this past weekend. Same with college hockey national championship recap. And then we'll get into some NHL trade deadline stuff recently. So It's a $10 million one-year deal. One-year deal to the Browns. I think that's a huge trade or a huge deal for them. Uh, coming off playing for the Titans, a uh, former number one overall pick. China hasn't played out in yeah. the NFL as much as everybody thought he would. Well, he hasn't played out recently. I mean, yes. when he first entered, he was, you know, amazing. But now he hasn't done too much. And I think this is good for the I think this is good for the Browns and him because I don't think he handled the pressure while like having to be the guy for the defense. Yeah, which is kind of what he had to do on the last few teams he was on. Whereas now, you got Miles Garrett and him, so I would say arguably one of the best rushers in Miles Garrett, and then another, I guess, top fifteen rusher that you can either put, um, you can either put them on opposite sides and have two good rushers on both ends, or you can mix it up and put them both on the same side, which would create terrible problems for any offensive line that has to face both those guys. So I don't, I mean. I get your point for putting them together. I always want to say put them on the edge yeah, and then have other people do the run stuffing up the middle. Yeah. I, it's just that, but like that's one of those things of where you would think they would have to flip it around um, and kind of not keep it the same. Yeah. But I, their offense, Brown's offense has been good the past few years. It's kind of been their defense that they need to shore up. And I think this is like a yeah. big step towards that. I mean, they're spending ten million. Ten million dollars, yeah. For uh, okay, so it's a one-year deal. So that that I can kind of see, okay, but it's it's still a little much for me. But like again, I think Browns the Browns are better suited than like the Lions are because like at least they're willing to go spend money and get big players. Well, the Lions are in just a whole different like mindset. The Browns are trying oh, to win no. championship, and the Lions are just trying to rebuild. So forever. <laughs> Well, hopefully this time around. No, the Lions are looking decent. Yeah. Decent this year. Not great. Not good. Um, well, it was nice to see Jared Goff rework his contract, which also is very upsetting because that means they're probably not going to draft the quarterback now. Yeah. Which, I mean... We'll the, talk about that. Yeah. Not to get too much in it, but the more and more I hear that's like, well, I guess I'm okay with them not drafting a quarterback. Um, <clears throat> but you want to get into uh, Julian Edelman retiring? Yes, so he did get cut by the Patriots, but it was looking like he was going to retire sometime soon. Yeah. Um, he's won, what, three Super Bowls? Three Super Bowls, and got, has a Super Bowl MVP. They, was it the against mm-hmm. the Falcons that he got that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He made that amazing catch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, I guess any player that plays in the NFL would take one Super Bowl, let alone taking three. Um Thank you very much. And getting to play with Tom Brady. Yeah, like that's that's the dream right there. So congrats to him. Um, hopefully he enjoys retirement. Hopefully he, he drags, stays retired. He'll always go say that, and hopefully he drags possibly Tom Brady and Gronk into retirement. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Tom Brady's just a different machine. No, but one thing I do want to ask you is, is he a Hall of Fame receiver? So, um, it depends. So, the Hall of Fame is very different because, like, you 
could say, oh, guys have the statistics to be Hall of Famers. Or guys have the rings. Like, you kind of have to have both. And I think Drew Edmond lacks a little bit on the statistical side. But he has three Super Bowls and has contributed, heavily contributed to those three Super Bowls. Also a Super Bowl MVP. So, I wouldn't say first ballot Hall of Famer for sure. But, like, yeah, I would say, yeah, he's... Most likely. I mean, I've been hearing, at least on the radio locally, like everyone talk about how, you know, he's not, he hasn't done anything to really make him a Hall of Fame player. But it's like, I mean, Calvin Johnson. I mean, I don't understand, because one of the arguments I did hear was, how is Calvin Johnson a Hall of Fame receiver and Julian Edelman's not, when Julian Edelman has done more in his career? Yeah. I mean, you did. could also say getting lucky with being on the Patriots. I guess that's true, too. Because um, Tom, we've, we've had this conversation before. Tom Brady does make players around him better. Like, would Julian Edelman have played as well as he did on any other team? Yeah. Probably not. So. It, it's an interesting debate. I could see him getting in, but like, I, if I was him, I wouldn't be like counting on it type of thing. Like, yeah, because yeah, I, de- I don't put it this way. I don't think he's with his stats. I don't think he's ended this discussion of like, I am a Hall of Famer. Like, there's no yeah. doubt in my mind. Like, yeah, I get that. Like Tom Brady, greatest of all time, guaranteed Hall of Famer. Peyton Manning, already Hall, of, but like guaranteed Hall of Famer. Like those players, Aaron Rodgers. Guaranteed Hall of Famer, even though he's only won one Super Bowl. Russell Wilson, most likely guaranteed Hall of Famer. Yeah, I feel like, though, too, the players that can get away with only one Super Bowl are the quarterbacks. Yes. Well, because they kind of have to lead their team to that Super Bowl. Like, yeah. wide receivers can't really, like, say, like, Julian Edelman, even though, yes, he did win the one Super Bowl MVP, the other two, you can't say, like, oh, I led my team to those Super Bowls. It, it was Tom Brady, the greatest yeah. of all time. So, yeah, like I said, I would I wouldn't be shocked to see him end up in the Hall of Fame, but I'm not I wouldn't count on it. Yeah. Um dude, instant replay strikes again. <laughs> it, it blows my mind. So we're we're talking about the end of the Atlanta Braves versus Philadelphia Phillies game this past weekend. It was this Yeah, past it was week, this past week. weekend or whatever. Yeah. Um so we'll set up the play. So it was the end of the ninth, they were tied, and they Philly hits a sack fly, and the into left field, and then guy makes a play at the plate, and he tags him, and the ump calls him safe. The the controversial thing is the guy didn't touch the plate ever, uh-huh. and so that's one of those things of yes, it's a bang bang play. Those happen all the time in baseball where it's like oh, I called him safe. Kinds of sports, yeah, all, every sport where close calls are made like that. The problem I we all have with it, and like literally the entire MLB and just sports world has with it, is the fact that when you look at the replay, it clearly shows from like five different angles. Guy never touches the plate, so they still upheld the call of safe. Yeah, that was like, insane to like watch. To not overturn that, and it cost it ends up costing the game because it was the game. No, where, Braves the game. Braves the game. Sorry. So it's like, how, how like do you how do you possibly look at something and say, no, I'm staying by my judgment? Because we've talked about this a few weeks ago. We're like, refs should stand by their calls and whatnot, even if they're wrong. It's different when it's like when you can blatantly see, see yes, yeah. like okay, if it's like okay, it's a fifty fifty toss up. Stick with your guns, yes. But that was no fifty fifty toss up. Yeah, that was did. like he was one hundred percent out. He never touched the plate. So that just blows my mind that, like, I don't know. We, we see still have instant replay and those calls are still being made. Yes. So 
And I'm not saying this is an argument for more insurance play because at that point, if you got refs or umps that are that stupid, like I, I'm not saying the dude should be fired, but the dude should at least be suspended for a period of time, like from the MLB, because that's ridiculous to cost a team a game like that. Because like yeah. that crap won't happen in the postseason. Like you would never see a postseason ref doing yeah. that and not being like let go of his job. I, I almost feel like it's easier too with baseball, at least. Because there's so many games that oh, know, yeah. one to game. make stupid calls like that, yeah. But but like still, nonetheless. But you're also like that is your profession. That is your job. Yeah. Your job is to uphold the rules of the game and to like miss a call like that. It's kind of ridiculous. Just a little bit. Again, it, it was just a regular season game, so it's not that big of a deal. But you you kind of want to catch stuff like that soon, yeah. Or now, so like stuff like that isn't happening in the postseason, costing teams World Series or whatever stuff yeah. like that. Because as a fan, it's awful to watch that. Um, uh, getting into golf this past weekend, Masters um, was this weekend. Hideki Matsuyama won by one stroke. Um, so I watched the first two days, and then Sunday. I, I missed Saturday. So, like, a lot happened the whole week. Um, I guess my key takeaways from that is um, Hideki Matsuyama did enough on Saturday through the weekend to kind of like give himself that cushion. He had a four shot lead going to Sunday to where he shot a one over 73, I think on Sunday and still won by a stroke. So um, everybody else that was chasing him kind of didn't help themselves out. Like they played well, but they just didn't play good enough. He he climbed up. Was it? They started on Thursday, and he was top by Saturday. Yeah, he was. He was like up eleven. He was at minus eleven on Saturday, and yes. he just stayed there. Yeah. So I think it was funny because um, the two guys that I was also rooting for in that down the stretch because it kind of was a boring Sunday up until I want to say the fifteenth hole because he was kind of so far ahead that like it the was guy like, behind him was catching him he just wasn't going to end up catching yeah. him. Well, yeah, and you hate to see it because like for me golf. Okay, so for those of you that don't watch golf, golf is a boring sport if you don't play it, I think. Like <laughs> other than like the Masters, like you have to be like a golfer in order to actually genuinely enjoy golf. And then for that being said, if you watch like the Masters and you don't golf it, it's even more boring when it's like blow up like you want to see like close golf like where it's like two or three guys that actually have a chance not like one guy that like run and Hideki didn't really run away with it because he did struggle like I said on 15 he opened the door but then on 16 Shoffley so heading to the 16th hole Shoffley was down two strokes at that point yeah with what would have been three holes to go so that's very easy ground to make up like all you have to do is just basically birdie a couple holes and hope he pars and like that's not that unheard of he almost chipped in for you which had me off my seat which was incredible if he would have made that but um the fact that he just got like a really bad bounce on 16 and went in the water and basically cost him one and a half million dollars because he ended up finishing third i think kind of sucks but like i in my philosophy i always feel like for golfers i'd rather than play aggressive and lose like yeah. That way, instead of like playing super cautiously. That being said, there are definitely times to play cautious. Yeah, when you got like a five stroke lead. Yeah, and don't be like bombing around and like choking or whatever. But yeah, I applaud the aggressive play there. Um, and then to college hockey, um, college hockey also like wrapped up its season this week. Um, 
Cole Caulfield from Wisconsin forward was named Hopi Baker. I don't think anybody really was surprised by that. Um, so again, for those who don't know, the Hopi Baker Trophy is like the Heisman, I guess, of college hockey. Yeah. So he is the best player in college hockey. Um, try to think. So he signed um, with I want to say Vancouver after their season was over. So it's always interesting to see Hobie Baker players go on how good of a career their their NHL careers are coming from college. But he he's a, a great offensive player, so I could see him having a decent career in the NHL, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so the, I watched it on and off. <laughs> the championship game was not fun to watch. Like again, I'm a fan of close games. Like even though I was kind of rooting for UMass to win. A five zero. It was two zero after the first period. It was, I want to say four or five zero at the end of the second. So like they already basically won the game yeah. heading into the third period, barring like a completely wild comeback. So it was just complete domination from start to finish. So it was kind of cool though because of that game. Uh, both teams have never won a national championship. So either way, one team was coming out with their first national championship. It was kind of cool to see UMass, especially after what would have been two years ago, losing the championship game to come back and kind of get like revenge and win it. So, um, I guess moving on to the NHL, um, Patrick Marlowe um, is about to break Gordy Howe's record, I believe, on Saturday for the most games played in NHL history. Was it like 700 something? I think we said 1,400. Oh, is it 14? Is, do NHL players really play that many games? Um, I want to say it's... Oh, so no, it is 1,700. So I I might have overspoke. It might not be Saturday. It might be Monday or Sunday. When's the next game? Weekend. So he is currently three games behind Gordie Howe. Okay. So it, in after his next four games, he will have passed Gordie Howe for the most all time. Um... Kind of, I guess, to go on that debate, um, hasn't has had a long career, obviously, but has he done enough necessarily to make the Hall of Fame? I think it's kind of questionable because he's not really he's done good a lot of stats, but he hasn't won a cup, and that's kind of hard to. He's done good a lot of stats, but he hasn't won a cup, and that's kind of hard to. I guess that's got to be a tough pill to swallow because he's played for so long and to not win or anything. And he, I want to say he only came close one year and it was with the Sharks when they lost to Pittsburgh. So he, like, either way, great career for him to hold the NHL record for most games played. Like, that's nothing to, like, bat your eye at considering I believe hockey could be one of the toughest sports to play. It's one of the toughest sports to play, but it's also you see the players play the longest out of any sport too, I feel like. Yeah, because they're just tough guys. Like, yeah. I I can't name another sport where you see a guy get absolutely bloodied up and, like, destroyed in the face and then, like, go get stitched up and come back out for, like, the next period. Like, I'm, Not nowadays. Maybe you can argue, like, football back in the day. Not yeah, anymore. yeah bunch of sissies no i'm kidding football players are tough too way tougher than i am so um but yeah uh trade deadline was april 12th so two days ago when we're recording this by the time we release it'll be like 
It was Monday. Um, Try to do my math here. And I was just like, it doesn't matter because whatever you listen to us, it was Monday, April 12th was trade deadline. Um, we had some big trades. Um, first was on April 11th, the day before the deadline. Um, Toronto Maple Leafs acquire goalie David Riddick um, from Calgary in exchange for a third round pick in the 2022 draft. Um, kind of weird because uh, Toronto already had kind of a decent goaltender situation with Freddie Anderson and Jack Campbell. Um, I think they brought Riddick in to be like a backup because I want to say Frederick Anderson did get hurt. So um, that's kind of like uh, shoring up of like a Stanley Cup roster to make like a deep playoff push. Um, basically, that's what everybody tried to do for uh trade deadline um not every team i should say <laughs> all the trades that were made were teams trying to do this um, except for one okay yes um pittsburgh acquired jeff carter from los angeles kings in, in exchange for conditional draft picks in 2022 and 2023 that's an interesting move because i think jeff carter being a seasoned veteran um pittsburgh kind of got the better end of the deal there because I don't remember what the conditions were but anytime you have conditional draft picks it's always kind of like a Iffy. bust because well I wouldn't say a bust but like you could end up getting screwed like a few years ago when Detroit um, traded away Peter Morazic and kept Jimmy Howard for conditional draft picks and didn't get anything didn't get squat because he, they, Wasn't it a fourth round they were supposed to get or something? I think too? it was like a second round. Was it a second, second or round? third round, I think, yeah. So they basically gave away their up-and-coming goaltender, who's now a stud for the Carolina Hurricanes, for basically a handshake. <laughs> yeah. um, and so the next big trade was um, Adam Gaudet, um got acquired by Chicago Blackhawks from Chicago in exchange for Matthew Highmore. Um Kind of a young player that I guess sure up the offense of Chicago. They kind of have a young team, so I kind of like the way that's transitioning. Um, I would say pretty even level trade. I would say both second liners, third liners. So not not a huge trade, but um, and then the next trade. Um, this is one of my favorites. Um, Boston Bruins acquired Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar from Buffalo Sabers in exchange for forward Anders Bjork. And second round pick in the 2021 draft. Um, Taylor Hall um, being with the Buffalo Sabres was like, get me the hell out of here. Um, same with Curtis Lazar probably too. Um, but that's the Boston Bruins basically like locking down their lineup and saying, we just signed another former first overall pick. Or Yeah, he was a first overall pick. And we're just saying, like, we are going to win the Cup this year. Like, we are doing everything. So, I love that pick for the Bruins. I'm happy for Taylor Hall to finally get out of Buffalo. Speaking of Buffalo, Jack Eichel is now going to miss the remainder of the season. So, Buffalo's... Buffalo's season's already over, though. Oh, it's been over. But the thing is, now they're trading with players, I don't know what their future looks like. Like, that's what's hard. They have hardly any draft picks. Like... Uh, it's not a good time to be a Buffalo yeah. Sabres. They're in a bad situation right now. Yeah. Which is funny because at the beginning of the season with Taylor Hall and Jack Eichel and, what is it, Rasmus Dowling, I was like, Buffalo's a team to contend with. And, haha, no, they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, and then the last big trade um, involves our hometown team of the Detroit Red Wings. Um, Washington Capitals acquire Anthony Mantha from Detroit Red Wings in exchange for forward Jacob Jacob Verana and Richard Ponick. And 2021 first round pick and 2022 second round pick. I think the Capitals made a good move. I think the I think the Red Wings kind of made a good move. The Capitals are getting a good player in Anthony Mantha to kind of like Capitals already had a good team, so they didn't really need to like get much. However, I think Detroit won this deal because not only did they get Jacob Verana, yes, he hasn't really produced much this year. Same thing with Richard Ponick. But they get a first-round pick this year and a second-round pick next year, which I think is the most important thing because yeah. if you're Detroit Red Wings, you kind of want to switch the culture. You want to get rid of guys that don't fit in the culture of winning and look moving forward, and you want to bring in fresh guys. So the best way to do that is draft capital. And I think... Even though I wasn't happy that it was Anthony Mantha, I think it, it was, was a necessary move. Yeah. Well, because okay, so here's my thing: is Detroit and Eisman and Blashaw made it very clear that I, or Larkins, the person they want to kind of build the team on. I'm not happy around it because I don't think Larkins is is as good of a player. I feel like he's he, had five years to show us how good he is, and I don't think he's shown us. I feel like the only reason they made him captain is because there's something off the ice that we don't see that he oh, yeah. is. Like that's the only thing I can come to a conclusion of why he got this. He's got see, to see. To me, that the hard thing is with that is I think you also have to be a leader on the ice. You have to be both. Yeah. You can't just be like, oh, he's a good leader in the locker room and gets the guys going. It's just like obviously not because they're still losing games. And he's not playing well. At, yeah. I mean, what was nice, interesting to see, too, is after the trade with Mantha, the Wings go out and beat Carol- Carolina. They Carolina. swept Carolina. Yeah, this year, which is crazy because Carolina is one top. of my top picks in the division. They're and, top of the division right now, too. And they're top of the. Um, they're one of my picks to win the Cup. So it is crazy. Some, sometimes, though, especially with divisional play, other teams just have other teams' numbers, even though they're not necessarily the better team. Like, they just yeah. match up well. But, yeah, I think for any sport, though, if you're a captain and you lose, so you may have control of your locker room and be a good leader in the locker room, but if you're not playing well, it's so easy to lose your locker room. Like, same thing with coaches. Like, it's... So he's, if you guys are losing games, the coach is, loses all respect from his players. Yeah. Like, well, I definitely what I was going to go off of before is like Mantha was it almost lit a fire under everyone's ass just because like they traded him. And what I've heard is that he's just not a motivated player to like you know work his ass off. True. So I think that with them getting rid of him, and did you li- have you listened to Eisenman talk about it? I listened to a little bit, and it sound it definitely sounded like it was a bit of a message to all the other oh, players yeah. that like. Well, that's what has been work, known to do. Yeah, if you don't want to work, we're just going to ship you off somewhere else. Yeah, well, and I think it's also like Mantha being one of the higher paid players, one of the more skilled players, I guess that Detroit had left. It's sending a message saying yeah. nobody's off the table. Mm-hmm. Like we were trading anybody that doesn't fit yeah. here, doesn't want to be here, and isn't willing to work. Yeah. towards being like being a better mm-hmm. team um i'm interested to see though because even though i did crap on dylan larkin 
I don't necessarily think it's a hundred percent Dylan Larkin that's the problem. I've always well, said I hated Jeff Blashoff. I do not like yeah. him as a coach. He is not a good coach. Well, I don't. I also think too not having Bertuzzi. Yes, that hurts. Tyler Bertuzzi is a great player, and they haven't had him since what the beginning of the season. Yeah, with it, he's he and it was. I'm what, shocked they didn't try to move him. Um, I would be pissed if I mean if I had to choose Anthony Mantha. Oh Bertuzzi, yeah, for sure. Get Mantha. Mantha. Get rid of Mantha. Yeah. Um, I think. The reason I love Bertuzzi so much is because not only can he produce offensively, but he's like an enforcer in a way. Like mm-hmm. he's not afraid to fight and like stick up for his guys, which you need that in the locker yeah. room. You need you need some of your best scorers to also be like be not afraid to drop the gloves. Um And he's also a hard worker too. Yes. I so I think moving forward for Detroit, the future's looking good. Um but the problem is so I'm also excited, though, because you look at Tampa and how they were constructed under Steven Eisenman. They were just a fat – like, they weren't a big team. They were a faster, smart, smarter hockey IQ team, too. Like, the way they move the puck around and the way they play offense is completely different from how Detroit's played recently. And that's what Detroit needs. Detroit needs to get back to that because – and Eisenman knew that because in the early 2000s when they won the Cup, when they literally had 15 Hall of Famers – it's like, oh, well, how did all those players gel together and play well? It's just like, because they're like, we don't care about the millions of dollars. Because most of them had already made their yeah. career earnings way before that. So, like, we can take pay cuts. We want to win another cup. Why not do it now? So, Eisenman, I think, can get those guys that are, like, maybe not necessarily 14 Hall of Famers, but guys that are willing to put in that work yeah. and to win cups. I think it's also easier, too. Like with the next two years in draft picks, it's easier to do that with like the kids than it is to do it with like the more veteran players. Yes. You need veterans, but yeah, yes, I you think definitely you need veterans. Younger. Well, look at what Chicago did this year. Chicago, I honestly wrote them off at the beginning of the season, thought they were going to have a season like Detroit. Um, they're not, they're in the hunt for the playoffs, which is better than I expected because I, and I don't understand it's all division play, so like, yeah, it benefits them a little bit. <coughs> but just how young they are and how well they've played this year. I'm hopeful for the next few years because, like, if we can play this well and we're this young, like, what's it going to look like when these players are in their prime? Like, All right. I haven't watched Premier League in a while, but, like, I love soccer. It's just hard for me to watch. Dude, I I don't understand why I don't like watching soccer. I love watching soccer. I think it's because it's non you – don't, you don't have any breaks like you do in I other do like sports. That, but it's long. <laughs> it is long. Well, it's only 90 minutes. I think it's because – okay, I th- I'll tell you what it is. I think it's because of the time that it's on. It's on early. In the That's mornings. true. So, like, I'm I, you don't wake up person. at seven a.m. to watch soccer. Yeah. So like, I could always watch replays of it because that's what I love watching. I love watching World Cup and I'll watch all like those yeah. games that are on later night. I I can sometimes watch MLS. MLS is garbage soccer compared to Premier League. It's getting better. It is getting better, dude. We should talk about MLS getting two new teams or possibly expanding. Uh, I think what? they're going to Vegas, and then I forget what the other one. Where's the fucking Detroit team? That's what I've been saying. I was literally like, D- Detroit's not going to dish out the money. But see, even if we don't get a Detroit team here, at least if we get a team like somewhere in Michigan or like in Ohio that's closer to us, I'd be happy with that. I mean, we have the um, was it Cincinnati? No, no, no. This is this is this a club in Detroit? They're just not a major league team. Oh yeah, but they're not fun to watch. Yeah, because it's not major league. 
Like, I need Major League Soccer to watch. And I will watch it if they come. Yeah, if Detroit gets a team, instant. I, I watch it. Like, every, like I said, even if, even if it's just the Michigan team. Like, even if they put them in, like, Lansing or whatever, I'll go to games. Yeah. Like, screw it. Like, I love watching soccer in person. Like, I mean. So, soccer, hands down, is the best sport to watch in person if you got a good team. Regardless of whether you're in England or whatever, it is the most fun just because people go absolutely ballistic when they're in the stand. Well, yeah, I want to go over the fucking over to England and watch a Manchester game. Yeah, because I mean, fans here are like you know crazy, but like the fans over there, like soccer is like life to like fo- oh, soccer yeah. to them is like what a lot of football is to us here. Yes, but hard, like a lot more hard. Like yeah. okay, so put it this way: they got uh, songs I, and chants and everything. I equate Premier League soccer or European soccer, I should say. I equate it to like. Bill's Mafia, I'm like 10 pounds of crack is what that's like. <laughs> like literally like that's what they are. Like yeah. not, they're not doing cocaine. I'm just saying like that's well, the, yeah. the but, excitement level and like the energy they bring. They're absolutely nuts. But yeah, go ahead and talk some pretty early. Yeah. So over the weekend, Manchester United and Tottenham played. And for the most part, I don't know how much soccer people watch, but Manchester United, at least at the beginning of the season was a team... I mean, I'm a huge Man U fan. Like, I love that fucking team so much. But at the beginning... And at least... Let me just start with at least the last couple of years have been eh. I mean, they've made they made the top four the last couple of years, but they, I, I want to see them win the division. Because, I mean, they can go in... I mean, winning the, being in the top four, at least in soccer, means you can go play in the Champions League the next year. I don't care too much about the about Manchester winning the uh, Champions League. I'd rather see them win the Premier League and then later win another Champions League because it's been early 2000 since Manchester's won a cha- uh, Premier uh, League. No, no, not Premier League. Uh, Champions League. Oh, yeah. Because back when they had Al... In Champions for, Leagues, they're hard to win anyway. I'd rather you win your league. Yeah. And I think the Premier League is probably the best league, too, in all of soccer. Win, yeah. Or just the most competitive, best league, all, all the teams. Like, you don't see... I would see... say top to bottom, yes. Premier League's the most competitive. Because you get teams that are, like, were recently um, not relegated. Um, brought up that will finish in the top, like... Ten. Ten. Like, yeah. look at uh, Leeds. Leeds yeah. was... They got promoted last season in their... That's what I was... Yeah, they got promoted last season in their top ten right now. Yeah, so. so I would say, yeah, top to bottom, that they are by far the best. I, I wouldn't say by far. <laughs> But you don't. You also you don't, don't see dominated teams. Yeah, you don't see like a Barcelona, or Real Madrid. I mean, you have Manchester United and Manchester City, and I guess Liverpool too. But even yeah. Liverpool this year, they're out of the top five. Um, I guess you could throw Chelsea in there too. But yeah, Chelsea. Chelsea hasn't been playing good this year. I don't think. I think they're. I think they're five right now because I think it goes. It goes Man City, Manchester United, uh, Leicester, and then. Uh, West Ham, which was very surprising to see West Ham, just because I think last year they are on the edge of relegation, and then now they're top five in the league and and fourth place, which will give them a chance if they stay there, will give them a spot in the Champions League next year. But uh, going back to Manchester United, yeah, they just haven't this year. They set off very slow, and now toward, heading towards like the final ending of the season, they're actually starting to win games and win games like. Well, like they look good, and they're also and another thing they've also struggled with too, at least the last couple of years, is beating the the big six teams. So like Tottenham, the Arsenal, teams that haven't been relegated, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the big the big six teams. They've always had a hard time beating them, 
Except for Manchester City, but that's probably because that's like a rivalry game. So like, yeah, they that's the only thing. Man City's kind of had their yeah. number, which kind of sucks for Man U fans. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they went out this weekend and beat Leicester, not Leicester, uh, Tottenham three to one after going down by one goal in the first period. Which that we've talked about earlier, like they don't come back from one goal down. Yeah. So it's very Ma- Manchester United when they go down, they don't. They just like a deer in a headlight. But not this, not this time around. They came back and won three to one, which and you, it gets like I said before, it was a top six. You know, one of those bigger clubs. Yeah, you, and you uh, for any sport, but. I think specifically soccer because soccer is so much harder to score mm-hmm. a lot of goal or just goals in general. Um, you do need that like fighting spirit of like, hey, like we may be down a goal, but we can get it back because that's like belief in your team that you need. Or else oh yeah, you'll get you'll get nowhere. Um, but also to talk on like how good the Premier League is too, like consistently year after year. I know they get, what, the four automatic bids to the Champions League or three? Four. Top four. I think it's top four in every league. And four. if you win, like, Europa League and stuff, yeah. too, you get so, you get in. So every year, though, they've had, like, at least five or six players – or five or six teams in the <clears> Champions <throat> League. So they have more teams every year than other yeah. other major leagues because they have better teams. Like, other leagues, you get, like, the top three that are always pretty much the same. You might get, a, like, a dark horse that sneaks in there in the top yeah. three to get in the Premier League. Or in the Champions League, but like, not many. Like, like I can go through all of them. Um, Bundesliga, it's Bayern Munich or Dortmund. Um, recently, uh, sometimes Leipzig will get in there. Um, for La La League, La Liga, La Liga is Liga. Yeah. Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico. Madrid. Why do you think Atletico Madrid's good this year? I don't think they are either. So okay. it's usually those three though that are towards yeah. the top. Um, Fr- France, what is it? League One, um, PSG, 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 <laughs> PSG. I don't think there's anyone and then, else. Um, for Italian, I don't know what it's called. I can't think of what it's called. Series, right Series A, yeah, Series A is Juventus, AC Milan, and what was it? Napoli sometimes has a good team. So yeah. It's all, but it's always the teams that have like never been relegated that have a lot of money that are towards the top, and it's never a shocker. Like mm-hmm. when you see one of those teams in it, it's like, oh, this team's in it again. Like very few times, like I said, there's like that dark horse that creeps up. That's like, oh, they had a great season, so they're in the Champions League. Yeah, but for uh, Premier League, you always get surprises. Like there's always one team that makes it that like Leicester holy crap, Leicester City. Was that 2016? 20, uh, was there a senior year of high school? I think it was 2015. It, was it? I don't remember. I think, no, it was 2016. Yeah, because we were like, for our PCA soccer team, we're like, we're Leicester City. Nobody thought it would yeah. be good, and then we're going to go on. And win Just the got promoted this season before, and then goes in and wins the entire yeah. league. What well, did help that they had Jamie Vardy go off? Jamie, yeah, Jamie Vardy went from being someone who no one knows who the hell he was to being like. Great. I, yeah. And then, like. Back down to like mediocre. <laughs> well, they're th- the top five right now. They're sitting at the third position. Yeah. And last year, they I think they finished top five in the fifth place. Yeah. So I mean, they they only had since being winning that champ the Premier League. They only had one bad season, and it was the season after they won. Because what the thing is when it playing play, at least with soccer that you don't see in other sports is you're playing in multiple leagues, especially if you're winning. So like. That's that so wears out a team, yeah. Yeah, and which is why depth in soccer is very important. Because like I know Manchester United, at least any time they made it to the Champions League, 
recently they just in the Premier League they've just kind of sucked a little bit. What do you have? Hold the phone. Um, fitting that we're on the topic of soccer. Um, Real Madrid's team bus has windows smashed ahead of Champions League clash versus Liverpool. <laughs> um, so I'm going to read this off of ESPN. Um, Real Madrid's team bus carrying the Spanish club squad to Anfield for Wednesday's Champions League quarterfinal, second leg against Liverpool, was hit by a missile en route to stadium, resulting in window being smashed. Uh, the coach provided the coach provided by a UK-based company rather than Madrid's usual matched bus was left with reinforced window being shattered by what sources described to ESPN as a bottle being thrown from a group of supporters watching the two teams arrive at the stadium. I won't go much more into that. This is what we mean by soccer fans are crazy. crazy. Oh, no, like, like, there are literally, like, family members that hate each other based on the team they support. Like, they will not talk to family members because they support a different team. Like, college football is kind of like that here. Not to the extreme, though. Not that extreme. Like, you'll still get together and, like, have fun or whatever. Like, there will be family members that literally just start brawling because their soccer teams are playing. Like, that they don't like each other. Like, Derby Day. <laughs> like, yeah, so Man- Manchester and... Manchester, uh... Man City. Yeah. Like, Families are torn apart. So basically, there are families that, like, I'm sure that they will not let them marry, or like, they won't marry somebody that supports the other team. That they're literally like, that's a deal breaker for yeah. them. It's like Manchester. It's like Man City and Man United, and then Tottenham and Arsenal. Yeah, pretty big, pretty big Chelsea haters of each other's. And Man City. Chelsea and Man or Man City. U isn't same area, yeah. but still they hate each other. Like, yeah. That like same for any other sport. Like they they take it and not not to bash our friend friends over in Europe. A lot of it's alcohol induced. <laughs> I mean you can start drinking at the age of Yes. <laughs> that that's part 16? of the issue. I think you can have beer at sixteen and like yeah. the hard liquor at eighteen. Yeah, so but yeah, a lot of it's alcohol induced. However, it just it makes for great. Great atmosphere. Yeah. I want to go and watch a game over there. Dude, let's go. When COVID's done, let's fly. I don't even Uh, care. So, like, for me, like, I used to root for Chelsea growing up. I think just because I like their colors and logo. I didn't – there wasn't really any specific player. Um, I don't really necessarily have a favorite team, I would guess, for European soccer. Like, it switches every year because soccer teams switch every year. Like, I haven't been able to have, like, a following that, like, oh, I watch this team. However, that being said – I will say Manu was one of my favorites growing up because, like, they had David Beckham, they had Wayne Rooney, um, they had Cristiano Ronaldo for like two seasons, which when he made his debut, which was crazy. So, yeah, yeah, they I were mean, fun teams to watch. Yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even like watch soccer. The only reason I started watching soccer, I don't know if I ever told you this. The only reason I started getting into soccer was because I had the World Cup mobile game on my phone. Yeah, that I played all the time as a kid, and I played as England. And England's striker was Wayne Rooney at the time. I looked up when Wayne Rooney played. He played for Manchester United. And then ever since then, I've been following Manchester United. I've been a huge Man United fan. Yeah. So. Like, they were just fun teams to watch back then. And Mm -hmm. I think, for me, what got me into soccer, other than playing it my whole life, um, was probably World Cup. Like, World Cup is insanely fun to watch because, like, 
the teams are just like so good mm-hmm. and like I don't know it's just fun to watch like it's fun to watch because soccer is probably the world sport like as a whole like every every, every country has like almost every country has a team <coughs> and to see how much like even if you don't watch soccer like how much pride there is in a country when their team is in the World Cup. Like, we can't talk about USA because USA's had a garbage team in the past. Year. But they are looking, looking good. good. They yes. are looking good. Um, so that will be yet to, when's the next World Cup? Two years from now? Because it's Summer Olympics this year. Or it was, Summer Olympics were supposed to be last year. So yeah, it's 2020. It's next year. Yeah, it's next year because they're playing their placement like group right now, stages yeah. and stuff right now. So let's go. Hopefully USA doesn't lose to, what was it, Jamaica or Trinidad that they lost out of it. That was rough. When I saw that, I was like, yeah, they don't deserve to be in the World Cup. No. You lose to Trinidad and expect to do anything in the World Cup, that's not going to happen. Also, going on too, I think this is the most we've had American players playing over in Europe right now. Yeah. Like there's a lot of American players playing over in Germany and England. Yeah, which is good and, for the sport. Yeah. Like, it kind of sucks for MLS fans, but, like, we always joke around. Well, MS, MLS fans, get oh, they get the retired European players. Yeah, we, <laughs> we joke about that. that. That's where European players come to, like, die. Like, not die, but, like, except that's for, the end of retirement. Except for Xibar Ibrahimovic. Yeah. He he is... Have you watched him recently? Is he still, is he still with Galaxy? He's, no, he's with um, AC Madrid, Milan. Oh, yeah, he did go back over. He, he, he so, came over to... Fucking LA dominated. He's like, this is too easy for me. I'm going back. Yeah, and he's like 38 years old. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, he's one of the few players that able was able to come. I mean, honestly, right now, I think he's probably I don't know ten players in the top five. Right. Well, nah, probably more like top ten. I mean, we still got Ronaldo. I don't think Ronaldo's really that good anymore. He's getting old, and he's not as fast. Oh, so that's something I've always thought about is the whole Ronaldo-Messi debate is how good can Messi say he is because he's been on the same team and hasn't won like many titles or has won titles with the same team. Whereas like Ronaldo left his team, played on multiple teams and has won multiple league championships. But hasn't won anything with Javantes yet. I thought he won his first year. Did they? No, he didn't. So yeah, so he really only dominated Real Madrid. And I think and a little bit, he was in Manchester United. He done. He when they were there. Yeah. He won two, two, one or two Champions League. So yeah, there. I think that debate can never really necessarily be settled head to head because they both were so competitive head to head. It was like, well, I think they're both yeah. different kind of players. Too. Oh yeah, but I think right now, looking at it, Ronaldo is not as good as Messi right now. I well, think Ronaldo's Messi also got two years on, doesn't he? Who's older? Is he? I thought if, I if anything, it's only by a year. Either way. I okay. Put it this way: I think Messi is built to last longer. Like his body, as the way he plays, he's yeah. been able to sustain it longer. Messi was always more of like that small, like fast guy, and Ronaldo was fast, but he was just a lot bigger than other people too. But with that, he's also taking more of a beating than not, I think Messi has. Not to get into too much soccer debate, but you can't deny. Okay, so I would say if there's one team that I've always gravitated towards. In Europe, it would probably have been Real Madrid, and that was before they got Ronaldo. And then when they got Ronaldo, I was like, "Damn, like this is a great team." But even since Ronaldo left, like they probably have the best midfield in soccer with uh, Kroos, Modric, and who's the third? Shoot, 
I don't know. I'm blanking. But even just those two players, it's like... Yeah, but that's another thing, too, is Real Madrid's old. They're oh, an yeah. old team. I watched a video that was from, what, last World Cup when Croatia won. Or no, it wasn't from last it was, World Cup. It was, it was recently because uh, Madrid just became... Wait, was it was it um, what's 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 the what's the Europe League? What's that world the 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 cup that they play Con- for in Europe? Or the Con- Euro- it's not Concacaf. It's Europa. No, um, I can't think of the name. For, it was France and Croatia in the finals. Yeah, it's Euros. Euros. The Euros. Yes. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about right now? No. So it was. So okay, he, Croatia dominated in that too, but um. What was I gonna say? No, uh, watching him cry after being announced like Croatia's most capped player for Modric, I'm just like he's probably like the most like unselfish player that we've seen in soccer for like a long time. That's that good, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because like Messi and like Ronaldo, as good as they are, they're kind of, they're kind of a little selfish, or like at least with the ball they are. Like Modric was probably like yeah. one of the best. But then again, they are, he, he also he was playing the midfield position, and being a good midfielder means you need that's to. That's what your job is. Yeah. yeah. But I think I think that's a good place to wrap it up, though, Spada. Ole 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 ole. All right. Thank you for everyone that was listening. Uh, We'll be back again next week. I do apologize. I don't know if you want to talk about Mentris, but uh, we kind of lost. Episode. We lost an episode last week, so that's why there was no episode up last week. But a lot of shit. Yeah, our friend got COVID. We had recording difficult circumstances, and the episode is gone. Yeah. Well, not gone. We're trying to revive it. Yeah. But with that being said, uh, we'll be back again next week. So you guys have a good night, evening, morning, or whenever you listen to us.